Welcome to Nepal Now. My name is Marty Logan. The Rapist is You On October 10th, a group of about 20 young women dressed in black took over a street in Kathmandu, pointed straight ahead accusingly, and performed the anti-rape song, A Rapist in Your Path. The flash mob was protesting what feels like an epidemic of rape in the country. In recent months, it seems that every week the media is reporting another violent incident, often against adolescent girls, too often ending in murder. Adze Kati Sahane, How Much More Must We Endure, is the movement's name. As we mark the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence, you'll hear in this episode that what got the almost all young women onto the street was the growing chorus of voices screaming via hashtag hang the rapist. Movement members Sagun Betwal and Sasmit Pokhral told me that their group of activists disagrees with that diagnosis, arguing that Nepalis need to confront a rape culture, not punish individuals to death. Adzai Kati Sahane is not taking credit for the government announcement two weeks ago that it plans to increase prison sentences for rape and punish those who try to settle accusations outside of the justice system. But it considers the pledge a success and plans to monitor the government to ensure that the changes do really happen. As always, we want you to let us know what you think of this episode. Nepal Now is on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And you can email me at marty at martylogan.net. Don't forget to follow the show on your podcast player, whether you use Apple or Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, or another, so you don't miss the next episode. And now, Sagun Betwal and Sasmit Pokhuran. Sagun Betwal and Sasmit Pokhuran, welcome to Nepal Now Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Hi, Marty. Thank you for having us. Last week or early this week, I read in the media anyway that there were some changing or there are some changes coming to the rape laws. And I think generally it boils down to two major things. One is longer jail sentences for people um, found guilty of rape. And the second one which seemed very interesting, is a provision to criminalize people who mediate in cases of rape, I think with the goal of keeping them out of the criminal justice system. So how do you feel about these changes? Okay, so uh, Marty, the first thing uh, we must understand here is that nothing has been official yet. So we just heard about this from the media. We heard there is an ordinance that's coming out. And that's all we know. And according to the media, like you said, there are a few changes that we have heard. Uh, the first thing being longer sentence, which was really necessary because uh, under the last law, uh, the sentence for uh, uh, somebody who commits rape, if the victim was older than 18 years old, was only from 7 to 10 years. Uh, so relatively, that's a very few sentence for uh, crime like rape, right? So we really needed a longer sentence in this. So if this is true, then it is going uh, towards the right direction. One thing we really find uh, good in this, uh, the changing law is that the previous definition of rape under the criminal code, the rape was defined as 
uh, a forced sex from male to female. So what that uh, showed was that the rape could only be committed from man to woman. But what we can understand is that there are different kind of rape. It does not only have to be from men to women, right? So little boys are getting raped these days. Uh, so rape can be done from woman to men or men to men. Or even if we look at uh, a lot of uh, issues in third gender community these days, there are lots of uh, rape cases there as well. So uh, we uh, started advocating to change the definition of rape from a man to woman to to uh, any adult or to any adult or any person to any other person. So that's how we have changed the definition of rape. And according to the media, they have adjusted this as well. And so uh, we have heard that there are far more other changes as well. Uh, but again, since it's not official, we don't know anything yet. So according to the media, these are the changes uh, that the government is trying to bring. So, but that's just, you know, we, we don't think it's official yet. Okay, great. Thank you. I understand that your group, and I didn't even mention the, the name of the group. I should have done that earlier. So the group uh, or the movement, it's called Adze Katisane. How would you translate that in English? So the English translation to that would be, how much more are we to endure? So how much should we suffer, right? Yeah, that would be the closest one. And so I understand that your group did meet earlier with some government officials uh, and presented uh, some demands to them. So did you know that these changes were coming or was it a surprise to you? Most of the changes that uh, we know are coming from this ordinance right now are uh, the demands that we had raised as well, starting from our longer sentences to having gender neutral laws. You know, we, we were advocating for these changes and we actually had a seven point to demand presented as well. And when we were meeting all these different uh, officials and parliamentarians and attorney general, we did present our uh, demands to them as well. So I think we are very happy for our move to, with our movement to see that uh, most of our demands, not all of them, but most of them have been addressed and we were in touch as well and kind of knew we were hoping for this to come forward uh, we're not exactly sure when it was coming but it did actually come uh, as a surprise it did come very early on we made few people few quite officials uh, in past few uh, weeks uh, we met the attorney general of nepal who is also the legal advisor to the prime minister and uh, we made uh, the inspector general police of nepal police we made uh, daz aig and igp so those are the highest three positions of nepal police and we also met the minister of law so it was cool, quite an experience we met all of all, all these people and we presented them with our demands uh, we're in quite in touch with our attorney general and he uh, he was saying that uh, yeah we're almost ready to bring the ordinance but there are a few problems here and there and uh, we're not expecting for this ordinance to come this quick we're expecting it to take uh, be in picture within a few months that seems very quick so that must be encouraging also were, were there, is there anything from what you've heard, and again, like you said, there's no law yet, but from what you've heard, are there any changes that you wanted to be made that have been left out, that have not been included in the ordinance? One of the major changes we're trying to bring was uh, about the statute of limitation. So what happens is that uh, under Nepali law, the statute of limitation for rape cases was one year, uh, meaning 
after one year, uh, you wouldn't be able to uh, file an FIR saying that you got raped. That would not stand in court if it was after one year. So we're really trying to change that uh, because a lot of people, they need um, confidence. They need encouragement to uh, come out and uh, tell the world that they were raped. Because in a society like Nepal, uh, a lot of people, a society usually blames women for getting raped. So they need a lot of encouragement to come out. So for that, it might take more than a year. It might take five years. It might take 10 years uh, to come out and uh, claim that a uh, person was raped. So we're really hoping that the government would wipe out the provision for the statute of limitation in rape. Uh, but what the attorney general told us, uh, again, it's not official, but he told us that uh, what we have considered is that if the person is under 18, if they're really young and they got raped, uh, after they turn 18, no matter how old they were when the incident took place, once they're 18, they will still have one year of time uh, to file an FIR if they want to. So that's a small victory, but what we're looking was that to wipe out the provision for statute of lim limitation completely. But again, this is a long race, and uh, we have started the race, but uh, it's a long way to go. No, definitely. I mean, compared to other social movements or other campaigns where often nothing seems to happen. I mean, one uh, was the well-known rape case of Nirmala. So yeah, that case and, and how much campaigning went on afterwards for change. And yet uh, it appears that not, you know, it didn't have a huge impact. So for yours to, to have that impact and to already be seeing these or to be hearing about these changes is, is fantastic. Uh, let's go back a bit to the beginning. And the beginning actually for this movement wasn't that long ago. Um, I remember when I saw the day I saw your flash mob on social media, and I think you were at Mighty Gar Mandala, you were in the street, you were all dressed in black. It was, it was very dramatic looking, and I know the media, all the media covered it, and it looked very well organized. But what went on behind the scenes? So what led up to that point? Who decided to start this? What work went into it? How hard was it to get all the, the women involved? Can you give me a little bit of the, the organizational work that went into that appearance? Uh, we had a first flash mob on October 10th. So uh, it was before that week that we had seen a lot of rape cases uh, in the media that were being highlighted and, uh, you know, public had this kind of outreach. And uh, what was very surprising and shocking to us was young people like us and even younger generation or more younger than us they were advocating for death penalty right so it was very instinctive all of them were uh, there was this hashtag hashtag called hang the rapist that was being very viral and even uh not only that uh influencers and actors who so many people look up to Nepal, they were too advocating for it. They were saying that death penalty is what we need to demand for. That is what we are fighting for. So we are seeing this wave coming up that was uh, promoting and demanding for capital punishment in the country. So I think that is where we started, right? Until that time, we did not know each other. We hadn't formed a team yet, but as uh, individuals and as uh, liberal peoples, all, all of us in the team. So it's six of us in the core team and all of us individually had 
had this understanding that uh, capital punishment can never be a solution. It can never be a deterrent to a, uh, such heinous crimes like uh, like rape. So that is what led for us to form a team and actually come down to the streets to actually advocate against death penalty. So that is how we started. As we were uh, planning, uh, we actually met uh, on either Monday or Tuesday. That is when we had a first meeting and uh, we were brainstorming. We were thinking, what can we do? We always wanted to go, uh, uh, you have a long vision and go have a long ride and a long journey. But uh, we also wanted to do something very uh, quick, something that could be done and grab attention and uh, let people know that death penalty is not the solution. We had to come from the opposite side, right? So uh, it, it was in that meeting when we decided to do a flash mob uh, in the streets. So we actually take inspiration from Chile. So uh, the feminist anthem called A Rape Senior Path uh, started in Chile and it had been performed in different countries and they were all against uh, this uh, entire rape culture that is so prevalent in uh, so many countries like ours. So we took that inspiration from them and we wanted to make it contextual. So we uh, translated the lyrics. Then we also wanted to make it more uh, uh, of our own movement and make it of our kind. So we added uh, the baza as well. So that is how we uh, came up with this idea of doing brain, uh, flash mob and we brainstormed and we uh, started planning for it and uh, we only had around two or three days to do the entire translation, finding people, uh, coordinating everyone and um, one of the major parts of our movement is uh, we always think about how can we be more creative and uh, have cooperation and be, you know, as an as an collective, how can we move forward? So. Uh, in all of this, what people do not see is behind the scenes, we take so much of time into planning and making this more coordinated and planned, even during uh, times like these when uh, the risk of pandemic is so high, right? So uh, that was one of our major concerns and that is where we put a lot of our focus in as well to make this as coordinated and as uh, safe and uh, as planned, well planned as possible. A large part of the comments were saying that it was just a flash mob or it was just a dance, but people were not uh, understanding what the essence of a movement was. So it was not just the dancing or the flash mob that we did. We had an entire list of demands prepared. We uh, had this planning going on for two, three days, but we always had this larger goal in our mind. One thing uh, that I would like to add is that the kind of media attention it got, it really encouraged us to move forward. And not just that, uh, some uh, people from outside the outside Kathmandu, they started contacting us as well. They were like, we had to do the same thing. Uh, can you provide us the lyrics? And we got the response in such a huge amount that we're really encouraged to uh, move forward. And uh, it started, it slowly started spreading outside Kathmandu. And um, I think uh, till this day, it has been done in uh, over 40 districts. So uh, I think, uh, people were really fed up. People were, they wanted to do something and people saw this movement as very creative. And uh, and since we're meeting a lot of government officials and a lot of laws were be being proposed, uh, people thought that uh, this is uh, somewhere that we could bring uh, an actual change. So uh, I think that's why the, we got this momentum. And uh, till this day, uh, a lot of people are still contacting us and they're still doing flash mob in different parts of Nepal. And this is really encouraging for us. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it was very, it was very dramatic and it looked very good. I could see why it would be impactful, as they say. As part of your campaign now, are you going out and saying, you know, these, these things that were in our seven point demand are 
apparently in this ordinance that's coming out, this is a victory for the campaign. Is that part of what you're doing or are you not, are you not taking credit for that? Don Marty, uh, uh, we want change. That's the only thing we want. Uh, the credit doesn't really matter. No matter, no matter who wants the credit, that's fine. Like <clears throat> we're not looking for credit. We're looking for a for actual change. And uh, in some way, I think we're uh, moving towards the change. So that's victory for us. So what we're focusing on right now is that uh, passing the ordinance as soon as possible. Uh, what we have heard so far is that the ordinance has gone to the president, and we're trying to figure out what's taking the president so long to sign the ordinance. Because looking at the duty of president, it's only to sign what has been actually been forwarded by the Council of Ministers. And that has been done. The ordinance is sitting in the table of the president, and all she needs to do is sign the ordinance. So. For now, we're just looking uh, to pressurizing the president uh, to sign the ordinance. Yeah, to, to add a little on that, uh, we definitely did not do all of this for credit. We wanted to see change, and that is actually happening, right? So uh, we will take this as a victory. We will take this as an achievement for our movement as well, like, because there are so many young people who joined us from all around the country in this movement. So uh, so many people have been a part of this, starting from districts in the eastern side of Japa to uh, upper side of the country to Humla and Zumla, right? So so many young people joined us, and it is really encouraging for all of us to actually see that as young people we actually are capable of doing something so we will say that we worked as a catalyst we were able to push this further but we'll also say that uh, a lot of people and a lot of movement did also advocate for this and we're demanding for this uh, starting from the lgbtqi community itself who have have been advocating for this since years and years right so uh, we just added on to that effort so uh, yeah we do not take the sole credit but we uh, will always be proud of what uh, we have been able to do as a movement and as a collective of young people and especially as a women-led, majorly women-led movement. The reason why we got so much uh, attention from the officials was because the other group we were advocating for uh, law changes were also advocating for death penalty. Um, but uh, we're not advocating for death penalty. We're against death penalty, uh, primarily because uh, our constitution guarantees right to leave. And uh, if you look at Article 16 of the constitution, it clearly says that uh, death penalty shall not be introduced as any law in Nepal. So uh, respecting the constitution, but also respecting the international treaty we have signed, uh, we have rectified the second optional protocol of ICCPR, which also says that Nepal will not introduce death penalty into its law. So we looked into into the uh, uh, international treaty, ICCPR. We also looked into our constitution and respecting the laws, uh, what we have and what are the international treaty we have signed. Uh, we were clear that we were not going to include death penalty, not just because of local, legal reason, but also of social reason, because we also did a, a, a very uh, deep research on this. You know, so we have to understand that uh, we have fought really hard to remove death penalty from uh, Nepali law, and that's a, a critical human rights issue. So uh, I would like to request people that let's not move uh, backward. What we have to focus on moving forward. Yes, we have to focus on uh, removing uh, the rape culture in Nepal. We should uh, our primary focus should not uh, be to. Uh, kill one rapist, but to end the rape culture. So uh, let's think about that. Why is there such high cases of rape that's happening currently? And let's get to the core issue and let's try to solve the problem and not introduce death penalty. The Attorney General looked 
uh, at our demand and he found out that uh, we are not advocating for death penalty. The demands we're advocating for was very reasonable. So he called us and we went to meet him and he also called other uh, lawmakers as well at, at our first meeting and we discussed all the laws and he was really uh, interested in our demands. And he, and he, he promised us that uh, he will uh, send our demand to the prime minister as well. And we're in uh, uh, regular contact with the attorney general and he was updating us on what is happening. And uh, he worked really close with us. So we'd like to believe that our movement had a huge part in bringing this ordinance. But again, uh, it doesn't matter uh, if it was us or if it was other people. Uh, the victory is that the ordinance is going to be introduced and that's what we really care for. Okay, that's great. Hopefully that you're right and this is a victory. The ordinance will be will be signed and, and the provisions will be as reported in the media. But this is the legal side of things. And as you know, there are many, many laws in Nepal, but not all of them are implemented the way that uh, people would want them to be implemented. So once these legal changes are made, then what will, will your approach be? Are you looking at rape as a social phenomenon, as a cultural phenomenon? Are you planning on, on looking into education, for example, or taking other approaches to, to deal with the topic? Or will you focus mostly on you know, making sure these legal changes are implemented? I'm assuming that you want the movement to continue. We, like Sashmita, I previously mentioned as well, we're looking at this from all different aspects, not just legal one, but we are constantly uh, looking at how, what are the social implications, what are the cultural uh, influences that uh, leads to all these uh, incidents and these crimes to happen. So. Um, even met with the Nepal police and what we talked with them was about uh, the different initiatives that they could take because uh, Nepal police is in every district of the country, they are in every communities and uh, they are the ones who have the closest uh, reach to these people, you know, uh, to people all around the country. So uh, we are also looking at the uh, bottom-up approaches that can be taken. So like you mentioned, yes, definitely we'll be looking into the implementation side of it. We'll be looking into holding officials accountable even after this ordinance is signed. But uh, uh, when we're talking to Nep uh, Nepal police, for example, we highlighted the fact that they have this community police partnership going on. So that is where uh, police should work to build a stronger connection, stronger uh, trust with citizens of the country. So uh, it's not just the legal side, but as well as how can we uh, increase community awareness? How can we make sure that people actually know that ordinance like this and these kind of laws have been passed in the country, how this has been defined as a criminal offense? So starting from marital rape to starting to uh, having these many years as your jail term. So people aren't aware about all these things, right? So that is another side where we want our country, our uh, authorities to focus on as well. And we will keep advocating and talking about uh, these other aspects uh, uh, aside from legal part as well. To add to that, so we're looking forward uh, from two more sides uh, after the ordinance is passed. Uh, the first thing we need to understand is that not everything that we asked for has been addressed in the ordinance. So we'll uh, continue this movement until uh, most of our demands or all of our demands have been made. Uh, but uh, some of the thing we'll uh, fight for is that, uh, first of all, like you said, implementation is a, a huge challenge. So we'll have to fight for implementation. Like Sagun said, uh, we may, when we had meeting with Nepal police, we were with, with IGP, he agreed that uh, there has been a lot of 
uh, weaknesses in the investigation part. So, and they were looking to uh, adjust and change how Nepal police conducts investigation as well. So, one of the ideas we brought up there and he was really interested in was that introducing a whole bureau just uh, for for the case, for uh, investigation of rape. So, that would be an entire bureau which would consist of a lot of women, women and. Uh, all the trainings and all the, all the seminars that that bureau would attend would solely be on investigation on rape cases and their whole tenure of 30 years which is a tenure of Nepal police would be all focused on that bureau so that uh, they would have better investigation they would have better knowledge better education on how to investigate rape cases he said that Nepal police had been trying to uh, change or uh, introduce bureau like that for quite some time but there has been some administrative process that's keeping them away from doing that. So that's on implementation part. We're also advocating for a change in education policy uh, because uh, sex education in Nepal is not really given well. And some of the private schools in Kathmandu, there are some provisions of sex education, but even that is not well. But uh, what we're trying to do is that to take uh, sex education in every corner of Nepal, uh, starting from maybe grade five or six, people need to learn about what consent is. People need to uh, know about what sex is, uh, about good touch and bad touch. Uh, so if they know what consent is, what uh, sex is and what rape is, I think a lot of unreported cases that uh, goes around the Nepal will start being getting re reported. And if people are aware, if people are empowered, if they constantly ask for an update, uh, if they constantly uh, fight for justice, I think investigation will be much smoother. So that's from cultural side. And we're also looking for some uh, victim-centric law. Uh, most of the movements, they only advocate for uh, uh, longer sentences for the criminal. But what we do not realize is that uh, what a victim must be going through right now, well, we'll also advocate for is that how the state is going to take care of of the rape survivors, are they going to insure them jobs? Are they going to insure them some psychological counselor if they need one? So that's another side uh, we'll be fighting for. One of the things that we raised in our demand that was not uh, addressed by this ordinance was that after the FIR has been filed for rape cases, uh, there would be uh, one representative each from Human Rights Commission and Women Commission would be alongside with the research, the investigative authority, uh, until the legal process has has begun. That would make the whole investigation more open to the Human Rights Commission and Women Commission. Uh, and uh, what that would do is that Nepal police have they have to follow direct order from the Home Ministry or from the Chief District Officer from each district. So if we get the commission involved process would be more transparent and uh, there would not be any uh, you know illegal orders because there are member of commission who would be watching the whole process so i think that would also make the investigation more fair than what we have right now so these are the issues we'll be fighting for uh, even in the days to come this sounds like a lot of work, but um, again, I mean, I think the, the results so far, as you said, are encouraging. I'm surprised, actually, at the success and, you know, the way you're talking about being in conversation with the Attorney General and, and the officials from Nepal Police. It sounds like you've managed to engage, obviously, at a very high level, uh, very quickly, very effectively for a new movement uh, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but you are very young people in a country that values age. I mean, how would you explain 
how far you've got to this point. And, you know, what advice might you have for other people, especially young people who are trying to bring about change? Oh, yeah, I think uh, many people from the very beginning uh, doubted us uh, because we are young people, firstly, and second, because uh, we were a movement led majorly by young women. So uh, it was upon us as well to prove them wrong, you know, to uh, make them realize that we are actually capable of doing something. So it people feel to acknowledge how young people and women especially can do so much and can contribute so much and can take the initiative. But uh, with our movement, uh, we will definitely say that we have set an example to other people, to young people especially, that uh, if you have a collective voice, if you are well determined and if you are well planned, that uh, it can actually happen. So uh, I think um, even while we were uh, receiving all this kind of demeaning or discouraging uh, uh, comments, but we'll all, also say that uh, those were uh, comparatively very less. But then uh, we chose to not to look at, at the brighter side of it, to look at the support that we're gaining as well. So uh, largely, we will have to give it to all the young people who joined our movement, who trusted this movement and trusted themselves as well into doing something. You know, even during these or these times. When things are so uncertain, people were so encouraged and were had this trust in themselves, themselves firstly, and in the movement as well. That uh, if we work as a collective, if we do this together, if we know that our uh, demands are very reasonable and something that needs to be happening, that we can actually uh, make the change happen. We can actually bring some sort of positive result that we actually want to see. So I think for many young people and many young women around the country, we definitely have uh, been able to put ourselves as an example and to show that uh, if we work as a collective, we can make this happen. Yes, Marty, I agree with Sagan on this and to add a little more to this. Uh, since we were very young, a lot of people doubted us, like Sagan said. But if you look at the history of Nepal, young people has, have always been pillar for change in Nepal since the very beginning. Uh, if you look at the political history of Nepal since uh, 2007 BS, uh, that's when the Rana regime ended. Since that, youth had a huge movement, uh, a huge role to end Rana regime and to end Panchayat system, uh, to establish demo democracy in Nepal. The whole thing was done by youth. But uh, what happened uh, recently was that the people who were young, uh, the, the current prime minister, all the politicians currently, they were, when they were young, they were the ones who, who were advocating for change and they did bring a level of change. But right now, they have put themselves uh, as like, uh, they see themselves as like entitlement, like they, they deserve the position and they're kind of like uh, pushing uh, youth away from the whole political system. But what they have to understand is that it was youth who initiated democracy, it was youth who initiated to end all the autocratic system. So if, if you look at right now, all the youths have started to rise again. Uh, if you look at the Enough is Enough movement, it was uh, led by youth and they also brought some changes uh, to the system. Uh, while running this movement, I think it's really important to bring uh, demands that's actually reasonable, that's actually possible to uh, change you know if, if you do that I, I think the government side will also take you more seriously so that's one of the key key things uh to keep in mind while uh raising their demands and um also because uh 
the, the first thing we, uh, we did was uh, our movement was very unique. So since it was unique, it, it spread around Nepal like uh, very quickly. So I, I think uh, if a lot of people are asking for it, even though uh, politicians, uh, they might not really care about what people are advocating for, what they care about is vote for the people, vote of the people, right? Because election is also coming up. Maybe that was one of the reasons why the prime minister and the government uh, did they're trying to uh, introduce the ordinance. And uh, that might be one of the reasons w- w- why they're delaying the ordinance as well. So since the election is approaching, what they might be tra- thinking is that uh, if they pass the ordinance before the election date, they might get more more vote. I don't know. That might be uh, like something the government is looking for as well. Okay, thanks for that. As you acknowledge yourself, the movement is very unique. And uh, I think for a lot of us, it was the fact that it was all women, uh, on the street, saying demanding this these changes, is there a chance that you'll be back on the street? I mean, do you still see these kind of public demonstrations as being part of the movement, or is that no longer necessary now that you've got the attention of the officials? Coming down to the streets and uh, bringing something that is unique and doing something untraditional will always be one of the core parts of this movement because that is what we started with. And even when we did a nationwide protest, you know, we uh, brought more aspects into it from doing a monologue uh, to in, uh, people doing a dramas and poetry, whatever they could do. So I think being unique will always be the trademark and uh, a core element of our movement, no matter where we reach and no matter what we tend to achieve. That will that is something that will always keep uh, to us and something we'll always try to do whenever needed. Okay, that's great. Is there anything that either of you want to mention for the podcast that you think is important but we didn't talk about yet? Uh, we want uh, we want to request every young people out there, our friends and colleagues and everyone who is listening and also those who look up to this movement to make sure that you are giving some sort of input, uh, no matter what you are doing. It might not be feasible for everyone to come down on the street, but please do make sure that you are uh, doing something, contributing something uh, to against rape culture and realizing that this is such a huge social problem and then how it goes on to affecting every single individual. We speak from a place of privilege when we say that we have this uh, access to the street, we are able to coordinate, we're able to come together and pull, uh, take this movement forward. We need young people and young voices and uh, all of us to do something, put some sort of effort in any way possible. And like this is the urgency of the time right now. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, Sagun Betwal and Sasmit Pokharel, thank you very much for coming on Nepal Now and talking about the movement uh, and your your success so far. Uh, It's very encouraging. It's great that you took the initiative, um, but even better, I think, to see that you're you're having some success, and I'm sure that it's going to inspire other people as well. So thanks very much for coming and talking to us about it. Thank you so much for having us, Marty. Thank you, Marty. Thanks for giving us the space and uh, to us and um, to our movement as well. Thank you.